Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Geekscapists, welcome to day two of San Diego Comic-Con. We're here in the Geekscape booth. We are, for those of you walking by, we are a podcast network. We have almost 40-plus shows now. Yeah. I don't know. Almost in the plus kind of negate each other. We have around 40 shows. Yeah. And we're adding more shows all the time. If you have a special interest, uh, maybe this is your first Geekscape, and you're like, what is Geekscape all about? We're a podcast network. We have some very specific shows like... The Weird Al show. We got a show just about horror movies. We have a Christmas 365 show. If you're like, man, I wish Christmas was all year round. Yeah, we we bring that to you. And uh, the person standing right next to me, Matt Kelly, is in charge of the network. Hey, everybody. And uh, as you walk by, uh, I just want to say, drop in and say hi. If you're listening to this, we had a bang up day one. We've got an even longer signing schedule today at the booth. And uh, we did pretty good yesterday for a Thursday. I thought we'd move some shirts. I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, no, we uh, we did pretty good. These Sandworm Gym shirts almost completely out of stock already, which is great. As they should be. And uh, here we are. I got to tell you, I enjoy having this microphone and talking to the people walking past. Uh, we have some pretty awesome neighbors. Uh, Atomic Toy Box is our neighbor here on the left. They have all sorts of licensed stuff from Mars Attacks to Garbage Pail Kids. Christmas uh, Star Wars holiday special. Some Christmas, uh, yeah, the Star Wars Christmas holiday special. Uh, the, they have the B. Arthur action figure. That's a deep cut that maybe if you watched it live, you've already like removed from your psyche. But uh, I'm waiting for that special edition. How come Lucas didn't bring that one back out as a special edition to add like a digital Jabba to the holiday special? We're still waiting on that, but the action figure is right here. Over here on my right, we had the friends at Songbird Ocarina, and uh, maybe we'll have them talk on the show a little bit, but we've been listening to Ocarina music all weekend, and I'm like, maybe by the time this weekend's over, I'm going to not like Zelda games, but no, I love it. I actually enjoy the uh, Ocarina music. Brings me back to my summers on Lon Lon Ranch, bringing milk to uh, Epona, hanging out, and uh, in front of us, we have... Some big booths, though, Geekscapists. We feel like we're on the short side of a canyon here. People are walking past. And uh, we have a lot of lines over here at Konami. Folks who enjoy the Yu-Gi-Oh! game because they didn't have friends. Everybody else was playing Pokemon. Maybe they were late. Maybe they couldn't afford Pokemon. They got Yu-Gi-Oh! Maybe they, they asked their parents for, for Pokemon. Their parents got them Yu-Gi-Oh! That's how they got into Yu-Gi-Oh! I actually don't know how people get into Yu-Gi-Oh! But... You don't have to stay. No, whatever. I'm just dissing Yu-Gi-Oh people at this point. Josh Jackson's going to hear this and be like, hey, you can like both. Yeah, that's the wonder of Comic-Con. We're all fans here. All right. 
Matt, what are you looking forward to today? And then we'll uh, we'll kick it to the signings. Uh, I mean, I'm actually looking forward to pretty much all the signings. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what craziness you create with this microphone throughout the day. Uh, I know we were talking about this isn't going to make it onto the feed, obviously, but we figured out how we can start playing music through the soundboard as well. So I think uh, some impromptu 90s cosplay dance parties are definitely going to happen throughout today. So uh, stay tuned. I mean, again, check those Instagram feeds because we'll be posting all that craziness uh, throughout the week. But I'm just excited to see what unexpected things happen. Agreed. Let's let her rip. All right, we're sitting here at the Geekscape booth with creator Alexander Monstar Raymond. He's got his new Rise of the Fema Monsters book. Is this recording? It's recording. <laughs> is this recording? You think that we're a bunch of amateurs? What kind of work is Matt Kelly delivering you? You didn't give me no warning. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, here's a microphone. And a speaker for everybody walking past right here to learn about the uh, book. Talk to me about Rise of the Fem Monsters. This looks like it's a classic Universal-style horror world but told to the monstar lens is that accurate sir yes it actually is if for people who are fans of classic horror like hammer films and universal monsters this is is like i would say it's connected to that but in a modern way modern way of storytelling oh man I had a big lunch so it's a modern way of storytelling but it does touch on the themes of universal monsters and hammer films it's like for the uninitiated it would be the Avengers meets Hammer film. So monsters who come together to save the world. Didn't Universal try that with the Dark Universe a couple of years ago? Not to say that this has similar success rate. Like I think, I think it's always a good idea. I think it's great. I think the crossover, as we know growing up with the Monster Squad, having all the monsters interact is a huge, awesome thing. Uh, but again, this is like your bend on it. This is your universe. And the book that you have here, Issue Zero, that is the launch of it. Does it introduce all the monsters? Do you start like with your Iron Man where you introduce like one monster and then all the other monsters branch off of that storyline? It's, it's incredible that you mentioned that because initially when I conceived the series, a seven-issue limited series, I wrote issue one and I wanted it to hit like a brick through glass. I wanted it to hit hard and I wrote it with like impact and everything happening within the first few uh, pages a castle blowing up, explosions and everything. And then I realized no one's going to give a damn about these characters unless they learn a little bit about them beforehand. So then I created the Zero Issue, which is for, I guess, today's uh, readers would be kind of like the end scenes of all the Marvel movies leading up to Issue 1. So Issue Zero has four stories that are, you know, five to seven pages uh, introducing each character, linking them together to bring you up to issues, issue one. And that's what you have here on the, at, at the con. 
if somebody picks this up, issue zero, they're like, okay, I like these characters. I like these stories. I want to follow one, two, three, four of them. Where does issue one come out? And issue one, I'm guessing, picks one of the monsters and follows it along their story? Well, issue issue number one, um, well, issue zero brings the team together. And issue one, you'll see them in action. That's what I meant when I said that it start really hits the ground running. Um, yeah, issue zero is no longer available here at the Geekscape booth because they're all gone. But we like you, to hear that. you can get them at MonsterUniverse.com, and I'll have more issues with variant covers with cosplay models like Tanya Tate on there and artwork by uh, MC, MG Curves. Uh, Tim Seeley, who was here yesterday, he did a cover for issue number one. And, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. It's, it's a fun throwback, but in a modern way of telling the story. And you've got issue zero here. Well, not at the booth anymore. Too hot. Couldn't handle it anymore. All the issues went. And I like to hear that. Um, again, that Geekscape, is, that is MonstarUniverse.com. You take the E in Monster and you turn it into an A and you, you're in business. So MonstarUniverse.com. So I get the issue zero. I go home. I love it. How long do I have to wait for issue number one? Because that scares me, bro. Because I want that issue number one fresh off the presses. I know I'm putting you on the, the, the spot, but this is Geekscape. We're hard-hitting journalism. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a great question and one of that I looked at initially because this issue took me a long time to put together and from conception to having it in print now. But it was a learning curve. I had to learn how to connect with artists. I had to learn how to write a script that would be receptive to artists and colorists and uh, my everything, all the different nuances that had to be put into a comic book. I learned it all myself. But um, now that I have that established, this, this comic book was funded by, by Kickstarter. Like, I put it on Kickstarter, and it was funded. And moving forward, instead of, like, doing one issue at a time, which would take me a decade to get them all out... The next Kickstarter, which I plan on log in, launching in August, will be for three issues. So issue one, two, and a special edition issue that will run through August through September. So after September. So hopefully by Halloween, you will have issue one, two, and a special Halloween edition issue all at once. But they've been written. Yes. They just need to be printed and sent. I got it. And you, Geeks gave us, expect Ray, uh, Mr. Raymond to come on the show and uh, talk about that later on as we get closer to Halloween. I want, he, I want him to come on the show. I want him to talk horror movies. I want him to talk monsters. I want him to talk all the things that we're going to be getting ready for come Halloween. Uh, but before that, let's, let's have him on and talk a little bit about fundraising for the uh, next couple issues of Rise of the Femme Monsters. Femme Monsters. It's nice. Uh, how would you like that? Would that sound like a good invite right there? Party, man. Let's make it happen. A monster party? A mad monster mad party? Monster a mad monster party? Mad <laughs> man, monster party. man you, I, I got your lane. I know your lane, baby. I know what you're about. All right, man. Dude, thanks for coming to the booth. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Have a great Comic Con, because I know I am. What's so great about it? No, I mean, what's the greatest thing you've experienced? You, you just said it like... Uh, here at Geekscape booth. All right. I don't know if you saw something out there you want to share. With the, I've, been, I've been chained to this booth, bro. I've been chained to this booth. All right. Thank you so much, Mr. Monster. Let's go have some Sonic Chili Dogs. Dude, that put me on the toilet for an hour. Let's not do that. Hey, Comic-Con, this is pretty awesome. I've got my good friend Adam and Darren here. They were on Geekscape a few months ago to talk about their documentary, Selling Superman. I think Selling Superman, if you do not know about it, is an awesome story because 
Darren's family actually inherited some of the most valuable comics they have on the auction market right now. And Adam is doing a documentary about it. It's called Selling Superman. You can find out about it. Google Selling Superman. They've got a website. What's the website for the documentary, Adam? Uh, SellingSuperman.com. Yeah. I didn't want to presume, but if you go to SellingSuperman.com, you can see the story of Selling Superman. There's a trailer. The story is remarkable. Uh, fill them in if they're walking by or they're just listening to this episode of Geekscape that we have the Comic-Con special. If they're listening for the first time, Darren, fill them in a little bit on the story. And I know you guys got some uh, other uh, th places to be here at Comic-Con. Oh, that's fine. Um, yeah, Generational Collection, uh, 50 years in the making on The Hidden. Um, so my family and uh, brother and mother had no clue what was being assembled. And uh, unfortunately, we passed in 2020, and we were left with... Uh, about 300,000 comics that were in incredible shape, and uh, we're bringing them to the world. That's part of what we're doing. 300,000 comic books from the golden and silver era up for auction. I mean, this is insane. And when people t find out about this collection, they didn't even know these comics existed yeah. until y'all are bringing them to auction. And it is shaking yeah. the like auction in comics community because these things are pretty awesome. There's like some holy grails in there. Holy grails, but the uh, the thing is the condition. You know what I mean? The overall condition in the collection, and that's what people uh, are coming to know us for more and more. And it's a simple formula. I mean, my father gathered these things over the years, put them in boxes, never looked at them. No, no light of day, climate controlled, so you're going to have some nice books. And Adam, i got to do a, a catch-up with you as a fellow filmmaker. Where are we at on the documentary? Uh, you got to stop shooting after a while, man. I know you sit, you sit here like... I'm sorry, but like as a fellow filmmaker, after a while you gotta stop filming, and that stuff has to become extras. Like, I know you're like, wait, there's a little more story here, but like sooner or later you gotta call it, pull the plug, like finish editing what you got, and put this movie out. What? When can we expect to see this thing? Well, all right, first of all, you know we all have our addictions and our obsessions. His dad had comment. I like footage. I just like shooting. I like being on set with my friends. But no, we're about done shooting. We're pretty much. We have a couple more interviews. We're about 30 minutes into the cut you know, of a 90-minute film or a 100-minute film. So we think by the end of the year we'll be done, and it'll release in 24. Okay, and you're thinking about maybe premiering it at a, at a, a nice like festival or something? and then Ideally, it would be South by Southwest. I think that would be a great home for it. And then also after that, start rolling into some cons, maybe show it here next year. You hear that, folks? Okay, so Geekscapist, if you're not here with us right now and you're listening to this on the podcast and you're not at Comic-Con... Start booking your plane flight to come to Comic-Con next summer and see it. And as for me, you want to premiere it at my home in Austin. I'd love to be at South by Southwest and see you guys premiere at South by Southwest. Let's put that out in the universe. And if not, let's go to Tribeca or something. But let's try and hit that spring premiere. That means stop shooting, sir. No, uh, you guys have a... <laughs> when I do, like, a, you know, with the first cut and we're getting notes from people, I'll bring you in early so you have an early look at the film, too, and can be part of the family and team like that. No spoilers, Geekscapist will be on this podcast, but I, I'm honored by that. Thank you so much, Adam and Darren. Guys, thanks for coming by the booth, hey, man. man. You're going to be on our panel you. on Sunday. That We have a panel here on Sunday, 2.30, so please show up, anyone in town. All right. 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock on Sunday, the Selling Superman panel. I'm into it, dude. Thank you guys so much for dropping by the booth. Good seeing you guys in person. We've only seen each other on the podcast. Thank you guys so much. All right, Geekscapist. Geekscapist here in full force. On the Comic-Con booth, we are here at booth 3919, and one of our own came by to say hello, hello. 
Miss Marie Brand. You may know her from the podcast network, but you're a new Geekscapist, so why don't you tell everybody about you? Well, my name is Marie, and I have a podcast called Napping Through Happy Hour, where we talk real life, real drama, in real time. (laughs) What I like about the podcast is, you know what I actually like about it? And um, we're going to pivot so that people can see us. But what I like about it is that y'all came out with a podcast on the network. It was not napping through happy hour. You you put it out for a little bit. And the, the main thing is y'all didn't quit. Y'all put it out. Y'all saw what was working with Katie. You, it's you and Katie. And that's how we met you through the amazing Katie Elsesser. And that's we actually met in person at our wedding. And what I love is that y'all put some stuff out. Y'all saw it was working, what people were responding to, what, what, what wasn't maybe working, and then y'all turned it into a happy hour show. It's amazing. What was the decision between, what was some of the stuff you noticed early on, and then what's the story in pivoting? Well, first of all, our name was really generic, right? I think there were a million black and white podcasts. I didn't want to say anything, because I'm like, Jonathan, as a Latino male, it's not your place. I'm learning. All right? Like, I'm learning. I wasn't going to say anything. It's not my place. <laughs> well, well, we learned really fast when people would go to look for us, and they're like, which one are you? And so we had to pivot really fast and kind of realize that our life was a little chaotic, but we were taking it real slow, and I think napping through happy hour kind of embodies what our life is like. So there we go. I love having you guys on the network. Um, and if somebody is listening to this and they only know from the Geekscape feed, what do they expect if they hop over right now on their podcast provider and they are like, let me search for napping for happy hour, then napping through happy hour. What, uh, what can they expect when they listen to an episode? Two people talking about real stuff. We're going through real life. We talk about what's happening in our life as it's happening. We nerd out a bit. Uh, we, we love to talk about <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. That's a big hot topic for us right now. But you also hear what's going on in our real life. And we no holds bar. We tell you everything. And you kind of go through it with us. And hopefully you laugh, you cry with me because I cry a lot on it. <laughs> We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't get away from that. Coming up is Tilly uh, Bridges, who was as, as my guest on Geekscape recently made me cry. So we're not averse to crying. Real geeks cry. Real geeks cry, and then I laugh about it because I think that's that's the fun of it is that we kind of just laugh through the tears and the things that happen to us IRL, you know. So this is like the real shit podcast on the Geekscape Network. If you want to have Katie and Marie and guests. Just chop it up while also telling you how to kill a Gleok. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Katie's had to teach me a lot. And a lot of YouTube videos that we talk, <laughs> we share the best YouTube videos to learn how to kill. Especially the King Gleok. And Lionel's, which I haven't conquered yet. So Have you been to the, the Lionel Arena in the depths? No, I won't. That I'm shit is nightmare-inducing. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Lionel Arena in the depths. Oh, I know. I'm not doing it yet. I'm just trying to kill... The thing is, I started too late trying to kill a Lionel so right now I've already got like a white striped Lionel that I'm trying to kill and I need to get through that before I go into the arena. The game levels up with you and I'll tell you what before I knew it I was at a place where like killing a Gleok wasn't that big of a deal but there are some that are leveled up and we're talking Tears of the Kingdom here folks but (laughs) yeah this is just kind of the kind of conversation you would end up getting 
on uh, sleeping through happy hour. So uh, uh, napping through happy hour. I'm sorry. I'm having it right here. Napping through happy hour. The pivot is through me on the black and white podcast. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the napping through happy hour. No longer black and white. You get some Zelda. No, you get some real white. talk. Uh, yeah. No. No. We. You guys are still definitely black and white. <laughs> We're still black and white. Changing that would be rough. Jonathan, what's up with your uh, podcasters in there uh, race trading? Uh, I don't know. Not my place. Not my place. It was very literal. It's, we were just going for literal. We were black, and Katie's white. I don't know if you knew that. And uh, we were like, that works. It goes together. So black and white podcast. You also sleep through happy hour, though, at this point. I, so napping through happy hour is like. I haven't been known to nap through a few happy hours. So if you catch me pre-nap. I might be drinking, but then I nap through the happy hour. Geekscape, if you have your mission, you know what to listen to. Go over, flip in the, on your feed right now, and go ahead while you're listening to this and subscribe to Napping Through Happy Hour. Uh, love having you on the network. I love having you on the network. Thank you so much for having us. I have a great time. It's very therapeutic. It's been very helpful for me to talk it all out. So That's the point right there. <laughs> Thank you, Geekscape. I hope it's as therapeutic for you guys listening as it is for us here at the network. Thank you. Have fun at con. I, I'm, I'm having a great... I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed. <laughs> this is a lot. One, one thing that's cool that you saw. Cool that I saw. Oh, we just bought some cool, like, Lord of the Rings, like, fan art that was beautiful and amazing. And spent, I, I, thought, I said I wasn't going to spend any money for at least a day and came right in and just laid down those dollars. <laughs> so <laughs> it might not be here and I come back. I got to get it now. Exactly. That's how it works. Thank you so much, Marie. Thank you. Much love, much love. Geekscapists, you have all sorts of friends drop in on the Geekscape booth throughout the weekend. Uh, and that, that is uh, no more apparent than it is right now with our good friend Ralph Oppel and Taylor Morden dropping in. Taylor you might know because he's never been on the podcast. Uh, but you may know him because he did the last blockbuster and the Pick It Up documentaries. Uh, I love them both. And now they're working on a new documentary all about Lost. And we can talk about it later on the podcast. We can talk about it now, whatever you want to do. But our good friend Ralph Oppel, who's uh, famous from Geekscape number 8. 18. 18. <laughs> Geekscape number 18. I looked it up, and it is a Lost-related episode. The episode title is 4815162342. Now returns to Geekscape at the booth. You've been on Geekscape a few times, yeah. Ralph, but uh, mainly like we can always promote the documentary when we're closer to release, but ultimately let's just talk like how is it going with the doc? So good. All right, Ralph, tell me about how's it going with the doc. It, it, you know, it's a, it started out as a celebration of Lost, the show that we all love. I got to get right in there. Oh, man. Um, and then, you know, some shit happened. And we're moving forward with that shit in mind. It's going great. We spent the last two days shooting. I think we did something like probably like 15 interviews or something within the last couple days. Any names who you've interviewed that you can share with us that will def definitely be in the final film that you were like, oh, man, that interview. You know, just give me one maybe. Like maybe an interview that you're like, wow, that was a really that was a, some good insight or they, they told a great story that will definitely end up in the I doc. Could tell you, I could tell you something even better. So not even did we interview Michael Giacchino, the composer of every single episode of Lost, gone on to do every other thing that you love. The Batman. Also, he gave us fully orchestrated music that's never been released 
to put in our feature film. That's amazing. Yeah. Ralph, I want... Wait, hold on, hold on. What's that, Taylor? I said we're making the lowest budget movie ever to be scored by Michael Giacchino. <laughs> Ma- Ralph, I might ask you a favor to connect me with Michael just because I want to talk to him about Werewolf by Night. Yes. The one that he directed for Disney+. Plus. You remember that he did the Werewolf by Night special that ended up on Disney+. Plus. Right, so can I tell you something? You can tell me whatever you want, dude. We've been friends for over 15 years. So everyone likes Easter eggs, and everybody knows the scene where uh, Elsa and Jack are trapped in the sort of uh, mausoleum. Thank you. Um, And now Taylor wants to talk. Well, well, one of the names on the mausoleum is mine. Is Ralph Oppel? If I freeze it, it's your first name. It's my first name. What should we look for if we look for that scene? I don't know your first name if it's not Ralph. It's Ralph Onis. They made it like a grand. I'm a va- I was a vampire hunter. I'm dead in the MCU. And it's true. Oh, dude. Ralph Oppel, he's from the MCU. Now, <laughs> if not for Sean Gunn, you would have been our first MCU actor. Maybe. I think that. I got to double check that. But you would have been. Or, well, Stan, I guess, is our first MCU actor ever to be on Geekscape. But, uh. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't act, but I was pre-dead. It's about the performance they would have gotten anyway. Probably. And Taylor, now you're warmed up. How are things going? So good. (laughs) He says the exact same thing he was going to say earlier. All right. This lost documentary, I talked to you yesterday or the day before, and yeah, you guys had to pivot when some of the news came out about the the state of Lost on the set and this and that. But you guys are pivoting the documentary and at least including that stuff. Um, what's the project you're going to do? What, what are some of the things that you're circling that you're like, hey, maybe you have some questions about that that you may want to do a documentary about? Anything you can share with us yet or upcoming other projects than the Lost documentary? Uh, I'm shooting a indie horror film this summer, this September. Uh, loosely based on the original book that Bambi is based on, because that's in the public domain, and and just screw it. We'll just make a Bambi horror film this year. Uh, Doing that, finishing the Lost documentary, and then trying to get people to pay us to make movies, which is harder than ever. Uh, But hopefully we're just going to burn the whole system down this year, where everybody's on strike. We don't make movies anymore unless it's made by people like you and me, so... I'm down with that. And uh, is the correct me if I'm wrong? I saw it on your social me- media. What's the name of the Bambi film? The Bambi project. It's called Vampire. It's called Vampire. Is it going through a Kickstarter or anything that Geekscapers can can check out? I just saw you guys announce it basically on socials. Yeah, it will be up on one of the crowdfunding platforms. I don't know which one, and I don't know when, but soon. And when they do Geekscapers, you'll hear about it here on the podcast or through our socials because we love supporting Taylor. We kind of love supporting Ralph Oppel. Get in here, Ralphonzo, or whatever the heck they call you in the MCU. It's been like, Ralphonis, it's been like 12 years since I've been on Geekscape, at least. Well, here's the 12 more before you're back. And <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, Ralph. Shit, all right, all right. You're going to be back to talk about this documentary when you guys finish it. All right? That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a fun con. All right, Geekscapists, this name, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, for the last couple months, should be familiar to you. This is Tilly Bridges, and uh, Tilly is signing and selling copies of her book, the Amazon hit, uh, Begin Transmission. And Geekscape, let's go back in the feed a little bit and listen to the episode that we had dedicated with Tilly. 
it's an audio only episode and you can hear how moving it is in my voice as I start to cry in the episode. Tilly, talk about being at Comic-Con with Begin Transmission. And all, honestly, we haven't caught up with you since the book's been released. Tell us about the release of the book and how it's been ever since it's been, been out. Yeah, it's been going really good. Um, the response has been really gratifying and overwhelming. It's meant a lot to a lot of people, and it's been uh, the number one bestseller in its category uh, pretty much since it came out, like uh, three weeks, three and a half weeks ago. So it's pretty exciting. I was not being facetious when I said Amazon hit. Like, I'm not, I'm not being facetious. Uh, this book is a hit on Amazon. It is selling, and the critical reception has been fantastic. And I am super proud to have, like interviewed you about the book before release and like learn about it um how have things been for you like i know we're in the midst of a strike i know you're active on the picket lines um has the book given you any like kind of welcome distraction or maybe a, a different purpose while we go, go through this wga strike um it's nice to always have a little bit of positivity because the strike can be really tough mentally taxing you know um but the new reviews keep coming in and I see how much it means to trans people and how much it's helped like cis people understand their trans kids and that means the world to me so it's a definite bright spot and what are your goals for San Diego you came with begin transmission obviously you're signing at the booth you've got a ton of signings going on I don't think I haven't seen your schedule as you've been sharing on Facebook I love that you're like the consummate promoter that's kind of what you have to do when you're DIY when you're an indie creator um but let's talk about you as a geek consumer. Is there anything on, at Comic-Con that you've enjoyed, anything that you've seen, maybe sat it through some panels, maybe picked up some art or some products? What are some cool things that you're here as a fan for? I have not had any time to be a fan of anything. I have panels and interviews and meetings and signings, and that's pretty much my whole con. I don't, I don't have time to be a fan anymore. It's really sad. But... You know, you have to walk around and stop for two seconds like maybe pick something up. Enjoy yourself a little. I know you're tub-thumping the book and you're, you're, you're being a professional, but you know what? you got to be a professional by first being a fan. Just enjoy it. You're on the ride right now, and uh, I would just say enjoy it a little bit. A little bit for them, a little bit for you. You'll burn. I mean, I don't think you're going to burn out. I'm not going to say that. I think, you're, I think you know your work ethic, and it's really high, and I'm inspired by it. I see how hard you work, and I'm like, yep, you got to work like Tilly. Um, but all I'm saying is, like, if you see something cool, just enjoy it for a little bit here on the, on the floor because there's so much cool stuff. I told myself I wouldn't buy too much, and so far I got myself a T-shirt, and I got some art print, I got it signed, and uh, I'm keeping my eye open for something else I enjoy as I also tub thump here at Comic-Con at the booth. Um, so just my little thing. If you're at Comic-Con, might as well enjoy a little bit. We're not laying brick, you know? No, that's good advice. Work-life balance is important. It can't just be all work all the time. Then what are you, what are you working for? you got to work to live. And if you're as big a like, workaholic as the two of us, sometimes we just need a little bit of a reminder. We're here to remind you. Yeah. yeah, we do. We forget sometimes. It's hard. You get buried in it, you know? Well, Tilly, sign some books. Have fun. No pressure. There's water under the booth. If you need a water, you need anything, Matt's got you, I've got you. And uh, thanks for coming by the booth and, and being a part of Geekscape. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. She's family. She's Tilly Bridges, powerhouse writer. And the book is called Begin Transmission. You can find it on Amazon right now or right now for the next hour at the Geekscape booth. Thank you, Tilly, so much. 
All right, San Diego Comic-Con 2023. I'm here with my good friend Craig Rasmus, and he's on a recent Geekscape promoting his book, which is Dr. Cotton Hickox, The Adventures of. It's a um, kind of... We talk, we had it's a pretty good episode Geekscape. So if you go back to the Geekscape feed and look for Craig and I talking about his episode, this is a full-on from full soup to nuts comic. He has done the writing, the penciling, the inking, and there's a ton of ink. That's what is that, a spackle technique, like a brush spackle technique, spatter technique. Um, it's a beautiful book. If you're friends of, uh, if you're a fan of something like Morbius, Mobius. No, Morbius. I was th- I was just talking. Nobody's a fan of Morbius. Uh, if you're a fan of Mobius. It's moving time, but but more European artwork kind of stuff. Uh, Craig's book will uh, hit the spot. Now, Craig, how has San Diego Comic-Con been for you? It's been a very different year at Comic-Con due to the strike in Hollywood, so you can kind of tell, you know, there's a whole bunch of people on the floor who have never had experience with being on the floor before, so it's just uh, a different vibe that we're all kind of learning to deal with. Good or bad? I think it's good. I'm starting. I just told Matt I'm kind of getting over the hump finally, being stressed out and grumpy, and kind of get to the point where I'm appreciating what's good about Comic Con. And I think it's just that you know we have to learn these people and train them how to do this right. So you know we have to have a good time in this environment. But I'm having a good show. It's not like I'm complaining. It's just everybody knows this was going to be a different one. So I guess I had to just call it out. What is some of the behavior you've seen that you're like, oh, that's weird, or does that make sense? Yeah. A lot more running, a lot more crowding of exclusive sales, so people waiting in line for exclusives that maybe, you know, aren't for more serious collectors, they're for more, you know, turn and burn eBay collectors, and I'm, I'm just seeing a lot more of that, so it's causing a lot of congestion on the floor, it's kind of hurting foot traffic a little bit. Uh, there's a lot more people running and getting warned about running, which I think is actually kind of a funny part of what's going on. Just cause yeah, it's like a neighborhood pool. Yeah. These people don't know how to manage this room. And so the, all the security guards who are already really frustrated are so extra frustrated. It's a little bit hilarious. As a creator who is not a major studio, obviously the major studios aren't here, have you found a way to get an audience? Is it, has it been made it easier to find an audience, or is it still the same kind of blood sport it is every year to get attention on your book? Uh, I'd say blood sport. I'd say prepare the platform for the final match. Because it is, uh, it's always tough. There's a lot of great work here, so it's hard to have visibility, no matter whether the big guys are here or not. I really think it's just about putting on the best show you can possibly put on, and you know, trying to trying to shape your trying to shape your presentation. You know. And one thing that uh, I was wondering is like, what are some of the techniques for getting people to pay attention to your book? Uh, well, I find that having a microphone and a dance party is... Re- oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Matt and I will be talking about that at the end of the day. We, we, we were using the microphone a little too loudly for San Diego Comic-Con, and the dance party was a little too loud for some people, and that's okay. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con came by and, uh, and told us to turn it down, and I get it, and some of our uh, neighbors were all... They are very nice about coming in and being like, hey, can you be a little less jocular? With so the commentary, and I was like, okay, got it, got it, got it. Did they use the word jocular? No, I used the word jocular to uh, kind of cut down me being a jerk. It, really, the way I'm not jocular, I'm jerkular. <laughs> I think this is the way the new word when I was just being a jerk, and they were like, dude, can you not be a jerk? And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. If I'm selling Don't Hate Create shirts, I probably should be less of a jerk to the major corporations. Can we get, can we get jerkular added to the Webster's officially? There, in about two minutes, that word would be perverted. So, no, we're not. We're not doing that. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, Craig, is you do a lot of cons. You, you originated as an artist in San, Di- San Francisco where you kind of learned your craft and you had a community there. And then the community was definitely probably different than the one you have in Arizona. 
there's different conventions in Arizona. How is San Diego different than those two other like groups? Uh, well, vastly different in a lot of ways. I mean, uh, one of the things about the Arizona shows is it seems like the crowds have been tending quite a bit younger lately, with the exception of people who are into um, alternate covers and exclusives and things like that. There's a pretty serious collector circuit in Phoenix of, you know, uh, sketch covers and, you know, uh, cover variants and things like that, hollow foils and stuff. So that's its own market that you have to play into there. And I tried to play into that here. And I feel like people are a little less interested in some of that stuff from a small press publisher here because there are such huge exclusives. So it, it is it is a different animal in a lot of ways. You sort of have to approach each show for what sells best there. And I feel like this show for me, it seems like my books my books do pretty well because they're individual creations and they're different, but my original art is kind of the thing that I get most attention for at San Diego. Well, I love it, dude. Um, let's find a way to make that art even bigger next year and put it on like a giant like stand or something because it's beautiful. And again, Geekscapus, the book is The Adventures of Dr. Cotton Hickox. What's the best way for people to find this book? Uh, this book will be officially available in November in two forms. It will come out in my Odds and Ends anthology, which is a two-volume, 200-page anthology with 20 stories. The Adventures of Dr. Cotton Hickox is at the beginning of the second book of that. And then I'm also going to separate it off as its own first book of its own, what I'm calling Maxi Series, that will be one of the most confusing releases with... Uh, um, chronological episodes and then non-chronological episodes. It's But it makes sense in the way that the time travel plays out, so I'm really excited to do that. And that will also begin more or less simultaneously in November, early December. You can all find you can find everything through me at any convention, but specifically uh, non-convention-wise, you can always find it at monkeygong.com. That's my website, M-O-N-K-E-Y-G-O-N-G.com. And Instagram is a great place to hit me up if you want to talk. Uh, all right, Craig. Thank you so much for joining us at the booth. Uh, keep signing. We will uh, wrap things up with you in a bit, but then we have more signers coming. We have another uh, couple of things here for day two of Comic-Con, Geekscapist, so keep listening. All right, Geekscapist, we're here on the floor of the Geekscape booth, 3919, with the folks behind Magid Magazine. They have a Kickstarter campaign going on right now. If you go to Kickstarter and search Magid Magazine, that's M-A-G-G-I-D Magazine, you're going to find the Kickstarter campaign that launched this morning of day two of Comic-Con at 10 a.m., and they are already beyond 10% of their uh, goal. And Maggot Magazine, imagine it's like an Orthodox Jewish version of like a heavy metal magazine. It's got a little bit of everything in the genre. Now listen, it's not a fantasy like magazine like like uh, like heavy metal is. It's, it's, it's a Jewish magazine. And it's got a lot of different stories, a lot of different creators. And I've got three of the creators here with me right now in the booth. They've been signing for the last hour and they've been selling their comics, their previous works, and getting people's eyes on Maggot Magazine. But I'll give it to them. Here's Arnon. Hello. David. Hello, everyone. And Rami. How's it going? Well, I think my question for you guys is, how is it going for y'all? Y'all are here at Geekscape. I jumped at the chance to have you guys here at the booth. I love helping new creators out or just lesser-known creators because so much of this is mainstream. But I think here with the studios out and some of the bigger publishers kind of laying a little bit lower, it gives a chance for you guys to launch this Kickstarter, make it successful, and put some more eyes on the magazine. Uh, talk about yourselves as uh, individual creators and then how y'all linked up to create this magazine together. Sure. Well, um I am a filmmaker and a screenwriter and an author. I, a couple years ago, I wrote a graphic novel called Jose and the Pirate Captain Toledano, which is a book about Jewish pirates in the 16th century Caribbean. 
And that book did pretty well. It brought me to Comic-Con last year, and uh, that's when I connected with Rami, who I had known from the film world. And Rami was telling me about a venture that he was working on with a bunch of folks at SourcePoint Press. I'll let Rami take over the story from there. All right. Thank you, Arnon. So, yeah, SourcePoint Press, we're a top 10 independent publisher. We specialize primarily in horror and uh, sci-fi. Uh, I joined on the corporate side about a year and a half ago. We all decided, once having a long conversation just about Jews and their impact in comics, that we needed to start a Jewish imprint. So David, who uh, you'll speak to in a moment as well, was with me on the company. We spoke with our main partners, Travis and Josh, and they were all about it. So we brought our known on as our editor-in-chief to really oversee the product because this is, this is huge for what's going on right now. Jack Kirby, I mean, Stan Lee, the names of Jews in comics since the beginning, yet they've been hidden behind their characters and hidden behind the fact that what they're doing is Jewish, even though nobody knows it. Now people are going to know what we're doing. Yeah, Stan Lee, spoiler, Geekscape is, but you know this story, Stan Lee, former Geekscape guest, is Stan Lee Lieber. Like, these are, the, and of course, you don't get the Superman story without having Jews behind comics. Like, it, I, think the, I think comics is an intensely Jewish medium, especially in its origination, almost out of necessity to tell the story in a brand new world using the means that they can. Uh, David, where did you join up? You were part of the, the, the group that uh, Rami's talking about. You guys linked up. What was your story, and uh, how did you get to the point where you're starting up Maggot? Uh, my background's in the music industry. I worked for Rhino, Warner Music, and then I also had a Jewish music label. And Rami and I were promoting Jewish music acts, and we were, we were thinking about doing comics of the performers. So Rami worked out a deal with uh, an ex-friend and partner of his at the independent company's SourcePoint, and we started, making, started on the road to making some Jewish comics. And then at one point, Travis said to us, well, why don't you guys just come work for the company? I need some executives to help us manage the stuff. So I, I manage the sales side of things. Rami manages the uh, finance side of things. But uh, Travis allowed us to do Magid as our little creative uh, sideline thing. And we think it's going to be big. We think a, a, a monthly magazine that's proudly Jewish. There's, it's a niche. There's no, nobody's doing it. And Kickstarter is going pretty well. And it's not just comic book content, is it? There, uh, is, are there interviews as well? Is there something that maybe leads back to your strength in the music world? Uh, we are planning to do uh, celebrity interviews in the magazine with a Jewish twist, of course. Uh, novelty pages, comic strips, um, articles that tie Ju Judaism and fandom together in interesting ways. Uh, it's going to be a pretty diverse, exciting magazine, a fun publication. And you guys don't only just have the Kickstarter for Maggot going on here at the Geekscape booth. You also have some of your previous material that some of it will appear in Maggot magazine. And it's sort of like some Avengers getting together, right? You've got some, some various superheroes getting together to form a team. And now Maggot magazine is kind of the mix of all of those stories. Um, talk about the acceptance from, like, mainstream distribution, right? Like, we've got some places like Diamond and things like that, like... A lot of the challenges for indie creators is getting on those shelves, getting in the faces of some of the uh, the consumers who are really. Let, let, I was tell, explaining it to my friend Noam today, like how in the U.S. specifically, superheroes have basically been the story in comics since the since the Comics Code, and since the Seduction of the Innocent and all that stuff happened in the 50s, 60s, and now we just have superheroes. But in other countries, there are so many other comics for so many other genres. In the United States. 
What's the strategy for getting these comics in front of the right faces? I'll let you handle that one, Rami. <laughs> so it, it's a tough one because it's changing every day now. Uh, six months ago, a year ago, there really was a shift in the industry away from your typical predictable what, what people want. Uh, like I said, we focused at SourcePoint on horror and sci-fi, and that did really well. We're still doing well with it, but what we actually find now is it's really more about community. It's more about like living within the comics, living within the story, interacting with it, and the ability to bring that character home with you rather than just get a 14-minute read out of a really cool floppy magazine and then a month later go back to your retail store to do it again. Um, our product here mostly is not superhero based, but we are focused very heavily on conflict in all of our in all of our magazine all of our magazine content as well as all of our uh, floppies and the hardcovers that we have coming soon because traditional story still stands. Traditional story is still what it's all about. It's all about great characters, great conflict. Whether you're Jewish or not doesn't really matter. A good character is a good character. A great story is a great story. And if you can tell the world your story and let them know what your story is, they will come to you. And that's what we're going for here. And so Geeks gave us, I want to uh, just impress on you that this is not specifically a Jewish uh, Kickstarter campaign. I think there's, as, as Rami said, there are stories in this magazine that will appeal to everyone. Uh, if you are th thinking about tuning out because you are not Jewish, you are probably making a mistake. You should pro you're, there are probably stories in this magazine and stories from these creators that will resonate with you in the same way that a lot of younger kids discovered T'Challa, discovered different cultures through a character that wasn't of their own. And uh, if we keep thinking that way, that superheroes should only represent you, then they won't resonate with only you. Uh, and so, so, you know, don't starve yourselves of the content that might actually really be powerful for you. Um, what would you say is the main goal? Let's say five, ten years ago, five, ten years from now, what is like the dream of this magazine? Well, our real goal is to just allow Jewish creators to speak their voices, give them a platform. It starts off in comics. It can move all the way to movies. It can move to live shows. Hell, we may start to see on Broadway. We may start to see Jewish shows that are in-your-face Jewish. Uh, or we may just find shows that the uh, TVs, movies that right now have a lot of Jewish characters that are very... I guess the word I'd use is single-focused as to what a Jew is. Our goal with Mogged Magazine really is to open up the field, give a playing field, allow people to, like David said, monthly comics, proudly Jewish. We want to give an environment where no matter what kind of Jew you are, you can be proud of it. And if you're not Jewish, you can learn about it. Incredible, guys. I really appreciate you guys coming to the booth and uh, signing. Hang, hang out for a bit. Uh, David has something to say. He's ready to keep tub-thumping. Let's hear it for Jonathan London. Great guy, and uh, thank you for allowing us to be here today. Of course, that's our goal here at Geekscape, to have a diverse, uh, just just kind of celebrate the diversity in pop culture and, and have something for everybody. Really appreciate you guys being a part of that here, and uh, let's keep supporting this uh, entire endeavor going forward. I love you guys. Thanks, guys. Geekscape us. We've got the Hamptons in the house. Does that sound weird, Katie, when you hear that? Not at all. <laughs> it sounds nice because he's such a handsome human being, but Mark and Katie Hampton here in the booth. Uh, and I don't get to leave a whole lot. Matt doesn't get to leave a whole lot. We're really running the show here at the booth at Comic-Con. But y'all have been experienced the con. Y'all have been experiencing the con, and I want to hear what y'all have been seeing out there on the floor. Oh, man. Or outside the doors. 
Um, we've seen some cool stuff today. Um, I'm a big minifigure, action figure collector, so I hit up like Entertainment Earth, NECA, the um, just the private sellers that play all uh, that sell all the uh, the uh, action figures and stuff. That's just fun. Seeing exclusives, seeing uh, uh, premieres, things like that. Um, that was my favorite part so far, baby. And uh, we had Marie on earlier, your napping through happy hour co-host, and uh, she had some amazing things to say about you. And we want to hear, I mean, you can return the favor, but also, like, what have you been experiencing here at Comic-Con, Katie? Well, we've been doing a lot. Marie is amazing, by the way. She is so funny. If anyone could do me a favor, follow her at MadMarie13 and tell her she needs to do more comedy. That's all I ask. Um, but we've been seeing some really great stuff. Uh, we saw some really cool things with the Ninja Turtles, like some really great figurines. We've seen some uh, sort of activation type stuff for the new movie coming out. We also saw some great Avatar, uh, Last Airbender, uh, things that you could you can pose with uh those were fantastic we also where did we go oh we went to one of my favorite places to go every single comic-con you got to go to chris and jane's place the zombie gnomes they are the original zombie gnomes uh they have the best things they also do custom makes so if you have some kind of a design or something like that talk to them they will make it by hand and they're great for outdoors perfect for those of you who are horror lovers and gnome aficionados <laughs> okay, tomorrow you, got, you guys are here tomorrow as well, yeah. and Sunday. Yeah. What are the pl- well, maybe a little bit of Sunday? You got to beat the traffic, and the traffic will be real. Uh, I don't really think that this has been a dip year, regardless of like the strike in the studios or, yeah, or big crazy. places. This has actually been kind of cool, and people have been discovering things. Well, any plans for tomorrow Sunday, besides beating traffic? Tomorrow, uh, yeah, tomorrow and Sunday, besides like beating traffic. Uh, well, luckily we took the train, so I absolutely oh, recommend the train. I know Heidi does that often as well. It's the way to travel. Um, I definitely recommend any of the activations around Comic-Con. So even if you don't have a pass, there are plenty of things to go to. I know in the Marriott uh, Hotel, there is a great place where you can play video games. One of my favorite things to do, it used to be in Petco Park, but it was go and play some of the new games that are out. Uh, we played Street Fighter 4 for probably six. six? Oh, Street Fighter 6, forgive me. Um, and I, hey, hun, who kicked your ass? Go ahead. Go. Uh, the computer. That, it was really good. <laughs> there was a glitch. I, I, I promise. There was a glitch. Uh, she was like, Hulk button mash. <laughs> is that your method? Is like just mad button mashing? 100%. That's all I do is button mash. <laughs> she obliterated me. It was, well, I almost committed seppuku right there in the, uh, in the game lab. <laughs> Those games like, uh, like Super Smash, all that stuff, like when people are doing combos, I'm like, how? How do you know these buttons? Like, you actually, like, time them, you practice. Button mashing is the name of the game for me and a lot of that stuff. Like, I don't... Okay. No, here's the thing. You don't necessarily need to know what they do. You just have to remember what goes well with killing people. <laughs> to do that all the time. I've been training my whole life for this. It's very rat in a maze. Like, oh, this gives me cheese. Mash, 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 mash. <laughs> all right, well, Listen. Tomorrow, this place, it, yeah, there's a, you just said, uh, like, a rat in a maze. This, that's basically what Comic-Con is. Good luck in the maze tomorrow. Have fun, guys. I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad you guys are having fun. Uh, and drop by tomorrow whenever you want.
All right, Geekscapists, that is the end of day two here at the Comic-Con floor. And if this clip sounds a little different than the others, it's because the uh, speaker is off. Because uh, the speaker kind of got us in trouble. We've been... Uh, it's Heidi's idea. We love Heidi. It was a great idea. Don't throw her under the bus. No, no, no. She came over and was like, how's the speaker doing? I was like, speaker almost got us kicked out. Because... <laughs> We brought a speaker this year with a mixer, and whenever we have somebody in the booth we're interviewing, the same interviews you've been hearing on this feed, uh, everybody can hear it. Walking past, you can hear it. It's a great way to like attract attention, get let people know you're doing a podcast at your podcast network, and uh, everything's was working great. Every now and then when there's not somebody to interview, we throw on some music, we do a dance party, cosplay dance party, we get some music going, just try and keep the energy up. One thing that's happened, Geekscapist, over the last couple of years is this row that we're in has been populated more and more by bigger companies and us smaller companies it's really hard to get attention from people passing by one of the things i was trying was to say hey you don't walk past our booth you dance past our booth let's have a dance party uh eventually comic-con security came by and said like you got to turn it down they they just motioned they didn't say anything they just motioned to turn it down we obliged them but we weren't given a reason to, to to turn it down and I of course had a little bit of an issue with it because I can hear booths three rows away I want to jump in right here because I love you John you didn't go silently no no no, 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 no. I, I turned, we, I you turned, turned it down no I turned down the music and then into the microphone while talking to her you said what did we not pay enough money to be as loud as all these other t- <laughs> I did I said do we not pay enough money to be as loud as these other booths like we're 10 by 10 but I guess if you have a 400 by 400, whatever the heck that thing is over there, you can blast your trailer all day, every day, all all weekend, and, like, I can hear it three rows over. You know, if, like, you're a major company, it sounds like you can really, like, blast stuff. I'm hearing stuff for, like, three rows over. So we gave it a little bit, and then we said, okay, music's coming back. We started playing the music. She did another loop. Yeah, no, no. Okay, well, okay, Matt, you help me out. No, we sat back here, slightly dejected, and and then you said, "Give me the microphone." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, "Give me the microphone," and I started ranting into the microphone and out the speaker to everybody who could hear. And we're across from Konami, and there are Yu-Gi-Oh fans <laughs> around the corner. And I'm like, "Who told on us? Who complained about our audio?" Because you're going to complain about our audio, honestly. Like, you complain about every other booth at Comic-Con. Because we can hear half of them. Yeah. So, I was like, who called, who made, who who complained? And I started joking. I was like, who complained Yu-Gi-Oh? Who complained? I'm not going to point any, I'm not going to point any fingers to Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. We have the whole rant recorded. I don't know if I'm going to, I'm not going to release it here, Geeks Gavis. <laughs> <laughs> but, just follow our social media. Maybe we record it soon. Maybe we release it soon. But, I started ranting. And then the security person showed back up and said, come on, like, turn it down. And I got dejected again. And at this point, I put the microphone down. I was like, listen, let me go find her. I did the loop. I went to look for her. And when I got back, two Konami people were back with somebody from Comic-Con. And they were like, hey, stop making fun of Yu-Gi-Oh. Stop making fun of our fans. Stop saying that our fans are only there because they couldn't afford Pokemon or their parents got on the wrong thing. Stop. Asking our fans if they can chant the Poke- the Yugo theme song because nobody remembers it. Like, all this stuff. And I was like, okay, ballad. All right? I was pretty – I was – Geekscape, was, I was pissed. I was pissed that we were turned to t- told to turn down our volume when we can hear boost three 
aisles away. Like you heard the beginning of episode one, the second we start doing a, a podcast, we hear Dragon Ball Z blasting like across like two aisles over. Yeah. And so yeah, I was ticked, and I started railing. Did the Yu-Gi-Oh fans deserve it? No. Was I a bit of a bully? Yes. Was they were they right in telling me to stop? Yeah, as the, as the brand that has a Don't Hate Create shirt, yeah, they were right telling me to stop, and they were nice in accepting my apology. Now that the clarity of what happened, what took place, has, like, set in more, I, I realize that, yeah, the, the, like, asking if anybody even knows what the Yu-Gi-Oh! theme song was definitely during the dance party when they came to tell us to turn it off, because I was like, oh, oh, yeah, well, I guess... We did fire the first shot. Okay, wait. No sooner had I kind of like appeased the Konami folks and said, all right, got it. I won't say anything else. Da, 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 da. I turn around. There's two other people from Comic-Con with the floor manager of Comic-Con with them. And then a fourth person who looked like a football player and... They're wearing Comic-Con stuff. The, the fourth person is in a black security outfit. And I say, guys, what's up? And it, it, can you just t- listen? Before you, I get it. You, you don't want us playing music. You don't want us being loud with the microphone. Just tell me the rules. No one's told me the rules on volume. And they were like, hey, we just don't want it to be, you know, I can hear you two rows over. I said, I can hear them two rows over. Like, what are the rules? And then we, we talked it out. I said, guys, I will keep it down, but understand my frustrations. We are paying lots of money to be here. These, this booth is not working for us where it is anymore. We're trying to compete. We're trying to be loud so we can compete. People can see our DIY stuff. Geekscape is a DIY community, and we're competing with the likes of Konami, Adult Swim. We got all sorts of big stuff around us. Like, help us out here. And they were like, we understand your frustration. We understand your frustration. I said, wait, wait, wait a minute. What are these two big guys doing here? Are there actual booths that are like, over my dead body? You're going to have to force me to shut up. <laughs> and they started laughing. At that point, I turned to the fourth wall and I go, got them. Because I know, like, if I get them laughing, we're all going to be good here. And so I got all four of them laughing. And I asked the big guy, one of the big guys, I was like, what's your deal? And he goes, like, what do you do here? And he goes, I'm actually the floor manager. I was like, well, good, because I think we, we need to move next year to a little bit of a better area. And then I saw the silent dude. <laughs> He's wearing all black, young guy. And I go... It, 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 he's wearing an earpiece and has a security like uniform on and I go and you're here to just like beat people up and we don't comply right and I turn to him and I go what's your name and Matt you heard this better than I did he goes what's your name and he goes Brock and the floor manager looks at him and goes you talk <laughs> <laughs> I was like dude Brock where are you from and he goes Pittsburgh I said so you had three options growing up play for the Steelers Play for the Penguins or come to San Diego and beat up nerds like you, dude. <laughs> I get it, man. But listen, I don't have to bother you guys anymore. I get it. I hear it. Understand my frustrations. But you guys don't have to waste your time with me anymore. I don't want to bu- – you guys are busy. Just send Brock to stand down the aisle because he's about as big as that damn Gundam I'm staring at. It's huge. And, uh, and we'll be good, okay? We'll be good. At that point, I went over to Yu-Gi-Oh!, I put on one of the little Yu-Gi-Oh hats. I went over to the guy who came over and said nicely, like, for me to stop picking on them. And I said I was going to wear the hat as a mea culpa for the rest of the weekend. Little Yu-Gi-Oh hat with rabbit ears. And then I asked him, I I said, I I just got to know him. And I said, like, what's your story? And he said that he's a a Yu-Gi-Oh judge. He loves Yu-Gi-Oh judging. 
he moved his family out to L.A. from Wisconsin to be a Yu-Gi-Oh judge and work for Konami, and he was a chef. And he moved in, and in, in, he, I got his whole story. And so, dude's actually a really fascinating guy. Brought some of the uh, service industry stuff he'd learned as a chef to Konami and their use of, uh, in, in the, the judging that goes on is, uh, in the Yu Gi Oh world. And dude's a nice guy. So, I quashed the beef today. The Yu Gi Oh Geekscape beef got quashed as fast as it was created. <laughs> we, we would try to go up to go, corporate America. We tried to go up against corporate America or corporate Japan, and they, they came back hard. Yeah. <laughs> they almost, God, is tomorrow going to be a better day, Matt? Because I was pretty pissed earlier. Look, uh, hopefully tomorrow will be a better day. The thing that I learned in this is that John and I both have a very strong, like, we're a little guy, we're a DIY Kai, damn the man, rage against the machine attitude. But the two of us act very differently when authority shows up. (laughs) Authority showed up and I immediately pulled down the volume and was just very compliant and apologetic. And John was like, I need to know what I did wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Don't walk away from me. <laughs> I'll start making fun of your fans if you walk away from me. Uh, I went looking. She was a nice woman. I went looking for her. I was like, I've, I've been, I'm sorry, Geekscape. I've been here 12 years trying to make this thing work for us. Financially, it never does, but I love meeting y'all. I love exposing Geekscape to new people. I love growing this community. And, like, I'll fight for it. You ever watch Cops and you wonder how this one guy ended up shirtless being tased by the no, police? No, no, I'm not going to get tased because that, that guy was a meth head. That guy was a meth head and he didn't have any funny jokes. I had plenty of funny jokes. I, my opening salvo was funny jokes. So, like, no, we're good. Everything's good. Konami and I, we're tight. I'm a Yu-Gi-Oh! champ for life now. And um, I guess I got a buddy from Pittsburgh, too, now. So, yeah. like, if anybody messes with me, Brock's going to go over and whip some ass silently. And uh, we're good. But this space, this specific space, Geeks gave us, I, th- I would like to maybe be in a different part of the floor next year. Uh, because this is just too much right here. All right? Matt, other than that, it's been a great day. We've had some great signings. Geeks gave us, you've heard them here on this podcast. Um, but as an outro for day two, uh, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You nailed it. Geeks gave us, share this one with your friends. We'll be back for day three tomorrow. Much love, much love. We're fighting for you. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.